Greetings and welcome to CritCast episode 21, chatting with Chris Backey, the American number one. So hi, Chris. How are you? Hi, John. How's it going? It's great to be here. Oh, thank you. No, not too bad. It's good to have you here. So it's like, um, it's normally a change. Usually it's me and Charles, but uh, Charles has been quite busy, so, so has I, and I've tried to do different things. So I used to interview a lot of different people with Underworlds. So I decided to China focus well, a spotlight onto you, Chris. So would you like to tell people at home if they're not aware of who you are? Uh, great. So uh, my name is Chris Baki, and uh, I am uh, currently uh, the number one ranked U.S. Kill Team player. Uh, I've been playing uh, Kill Team 21 since it came out. I got into Kill Team 18 sort of late in the game, uh, way past when Arena launched, and my first competitive event was the Atlantic City Open back uh, last year in 2021 and i had an amazing time i loved it uh, i got into that sort of box city terrain out there and i couldn't have been happier though when kill team 21 launched so uh ended up you know got my hands on the game got a group of people around here uh playing it with me uh, i bounced around between a few different factions and i settled on uh, veteran guardsmen because at the time uh for the social media i was consuming you know the youtube videos they were ranked pretty low on the tier lists they were you know around like c tier you know low b tier and yeah. I thought I had really struck gold because here I was, I was just slaughtering my friends. I was, you know, having these, you know, 18 to three victories, feeling great about myself. So I uh, show up to LVO with that team and ended up doing uh, pretty well, uh, placed very highly in the event, took third. And uh, oh, I met nice. Ace, who was the uh, number one ranked <laughs> Spanish player, who I didn't really know at the time really who he was or who anyone was. And uh, then I, I ended up playing him in the semifinals. And that was a rude awakening of uh, sort of that the skill ceiling, how some of these players internationally are playing. Um, but that was sort of how I made my introduction into the, into the scene and how people started to know about me. And I got a lot more active into Kill Team after that. So I went to a bunch of events, uh, you know, sort of after LVO, and it really got that competitive bug going in me. Oh, that's great to hear, because it's like, uh, I also started... So I originally got the original Kill Team as well. I got the original box, then I got flooded with too many releases, uh, and then stopped around arena time. Uh, and then uh, like you know, I got really back into it uh, with the new edition, which was really fun. Uh, but no, that's great. Yeah, because even like, it was weird how the game first started. Like, like we, everyone quickly realized after the first month how good commandos were, but everyone kind of slept on Vetguard because I think we were all like, oh, they don't really do combat really well. No one had really figured out the tack ops and how good 14 operatives were. And then like, yeah, it's like, ev even today, they're still a really, really solid kill team. Like they're they're, they're one of the best performing uh, kill teams for winning events. So like, yeah, I definitely think you were ahead of the curve at the time because it was only like you, Ace, and then I can't remember who else at the time was playing Vegard. I know it was like some people in Spain, but I, I remember it was like you and uh, Ace at the moment. Yeah, I I don't believe there were any U.S. players who were you know big at the time. And apologies to anyone hearing this saying, "Oh, I was playing Vegard." I'm sure there were, but I wasn't aware at the time, um, either on TTS or, uh, you know, at LVO that I was at, of, of any players who were like really taking a vet guard to that level. People had absolutely uh, picked up on Pathfinders at that point. Um, even by LVO, Pathfinders were, were clearly oh, yeah. a, a boogeyman. Um, but so after LVO, you know, people saw the performances of, you know, especially Ace, who took first, uh, and myself, and were like, whoa, vet guard, what's going on here? 
and every event afterward, um, I started seeing a, a lot of strong players bringing them to events afterward. So, uh, you know, the next event I was at was, was the Kill Team Open, largest Kill Team event domestically we've ever had uh, in February. And Vet Guard were all over the place. And I think three or four Vet Guard made it into the top eight cut there. So uh, people definitely oh, wow. caught on to that system. And exactly like you're saying, any team that's thrown around 12 activations, 12, 13 activations, uh, you've got just such disadvantage in being able to watch your opponent make all their moves, confirm lock in their positions, and then do what you need to do. And it's amazingly powerful to have that. Oh, yeah. It's like literally, because even now people say like, oh, at the moment, because we're in uh, September of 2022, everyone's like, oh, we're in an elite meta. And I was like, oh, are we though? There's the Elite teams are doing better. But for me, in my experience, they still lose to teams with like 12 or more activations because they just literally, as you said, wait for you to do your six activations and then go, cool, here are now my six activations where I basically set up a kill or two kills and dismantle your team or like dominate the board. So like completely agree. A hundred percent. You never want to be in kill team. You don't want to be reactive. You want to be yes. active and initiate. And this is something that if you watch the Nova streams, we saw happen in a lot of those games um, with um, the, you know, the top two uh, or some of the top players in there who were uh, in some of those Pathfinder and Vet Guard games. And we saw them swing one way or another. And you could tell whoever was making that initiation of the moves who was, you know, doing that alpha strike, that first strike each turn, you know, that was the player who was ahead. That was the player who really had the tempo of the game with them. And you just can't get the tempo of the game to be with you that hard when you're only throwing around six activations. It's just inherently baked into the team. Uh, but before we go into more further competitive talk, you did start with Kill Team, but was that your first foray into Warhammer? Or did you did you play other Warhammer games before Kill Team? It, ac it actually wasn't. So uh, I've been with the hobby for a really long time. And I was playing 3rd edition 40k back in the early 2000s, um, back when I was in middle school, uh, to, uh -huh. to very mediocre results. Uh, <laughs> and I sort of uh, got in and out of the game. Um, later on, I switched out of 40k because I found War Machine, and that really started scratching my tabletop uh, competition, um, you know, itch in the first place. Because that game, I started in War Machine first edition, and that game was uh, pretty tightly competitively balanced. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely loved that game. Played it for a while. Uh, I bounced around between a few different games after that. Uh, spent some time with Battlefield Gothic. Uh, spent some time getting into the X-Wing miniatures game later on, and then sort of rediscovered my love for Kill Team when um, actually a a uh, local player in, in my area who I met at my local game store, uh, we were playing X-Wing together. And he brought up that he had some 40K models and wanted to try Kill Team. And I'm like, oh, well, I have all these 40K models back from like 10, 15 years ago. Uh, and I'd be happy to play Kill Team because I can pro I have the miniatures for it. And that's how I got back into it. Oh, no, that's great. It's like, weirdly, like I, I've been saying this a lot since I met you, but we're kind of like of the same, yeah. same thought. Because I, I didn't play um war machine but i was very tempted because a lot of my friends did what you did they played 40k got really sick of the direction it was going then switched to war machine because like it was a very very tight rule set and then they switched to x-wing which i did play a bit of because of how more competitive that was but also that like x-wing for me is a game of your positioning and like yeah. outsmarting your opponent which is like really hard to replicate in on my opinion until kill team came along so it's like, it, it, I feel we have the same like way we love games because I personally love games that are all about positional play and trying to outsmart your opponent, not like trying to gut your opponent, but just going, okay, I've, I, I can see your game plan. You haven't revealed it, but I've figured it out. And now I'm going to position it out way so I'm like controlling the board. So no matter what you do, I'm going to be in a like punishing position. 
I couldn't agree more when, you know, my frustrations with, with big 40 K were, you know, no knock to anyone who really loves the game, but you know, back in, in third edition going into fourth edition, I started trying to take the game more seriously. I'm like, well, I want to start winning. And when I looked into how that worked, it, it became very clear that it wasn't really about how well I position and how good my tactics are and how clever I am. It's what faction am I running? How much time did I spend working on my list? And then just how many batches of dice are going to go my way? And yes. when I when I saw and just even played a demo game of War Machine and felt like, oh, it actually matters what I do and where I put my stuff. And like, that's what the game is. It made me really fall out of love of, of the Big 40K rule system. And every two or three years, I try a demo game of Big 40K. And every time it's like, this is the same game. The bones are the same. I can't, I can't do it. No, I agree. Like the, the way I think the best edition for gameplay was fifth edition, just because it was so cut down, but that was really where like everything was simple, but it wasn't at the point where it got silly. So that was closer cut. Uh, But then after that, as you said, it literally, like me and my friends were looking at practice and we were like, it takes us two hours to do game. Now it's like three, three and a half, four depending on the the closer you get to a newer edition. And it was just like, we we physically can't. We, we, we have like, we were playing once or twice a week and we were like, that's one evening. Or if we're playing on a weekend, that's we're only getting two games in. There's no way we can like physically play that amount of practice. And then we went on to like smaller games like X-Wing, you could like fly through games as well as like War Machine. You could do so many games. And it's like with Kill Team, like even though it can take up to an hour and a half at times. You can fly through the game. And it's just being able to fit in an evening two to three games where it would just fit one 40K game is so much better just in terms of like, not even just getting in games, but helps so much with like remembering and practicing that it's like, I, I don't even know how modern 40K players do it because it's it's just mad in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's definitely being able to, to knock out uh, those X-Wing games in a tight hour, as well as the cognitive load. You know, I found I found going through, uh, you know, the, the list building of, of uh, you know, 40K match, you know, that takes some time. You're leafing through books. And then when you actually sit down to play, it's like, well, I've got these stratagems over here. I've got these stratagems over here. I need to look up all these stats and cross-reference these stats. I've got this ability. Now my warlord trait is this, but then I have these three abilities that turn on. I, just, I find it just mentally exhausting to set all that stuff up that that's you know that's not what i'm here to do when i play a game yeah like it's gotten to the point where like before you could learn everything whereas now when me and my friends play if we do play 40k we're just like yeah i believe whatever you're saying because it sounds ridiculous but i i can't i i can't practice to to to, to know that's incorrect so i'm gonna go with that you're right and just say yes because yep. you're probably going to be in the same boat as me and like, I have friends who play competitive 40k and they're like, oh, I really love Kill Team, but I have to stop playing Kill Team. I was like, why? Oh, because I'll forget too much about 40k. So I, I need to like keep my mind focused on 40k. So that was the the interesting thing. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, we've kind of touched on it already, but like your competitive history, because we know you've you've already come third at LVO, and I think you came first or second at the Kill Team Open? I came second at the Kill Team Open, so I uh, didn't take that event. Uh, it was a nail biter, um, and I ended up uh, taking second uh, to Travis, who is a very dominant Pathfinders player on the East Coast. Yes. Excellent guy. Uh, we so we actually had a game the first day where he didn't, you know, he didn't know know who I was, um, and I actually took that the first game on the first day um, by by like a, I think a three or four point margin. 
Um, and that's sort of like, you know, he figured out that, uh, oh, you know, th this guy knows how to play. Um, and so when we met again, he had made some adjustments and, you know, shout out to him. I did do a telegraphed play the first game where I, I did a pretty cool alpha strike, you know, the, the classic vet guard, you know, spotter combos with a grenade. And the second day he baited me into doing it. And I sort of knew what he was doing. And I went for the bait anyway, saying, well, I think I can still like make this work and pull things off. And it was one of the most exciting, closest games, our, our game in the, in the finals uh, that I've had in a really long time. Excellent game. And he ended up winning by, I think, two points. Um, wow. but, it was, but it was just an absolutely excellent game. It was on stream, I think, if anyone wants to watch it. Um, and I was, I was on the back foot for most of the game, and I was scrambling for all the points I could get. Uh, but, but great guy, excellent player, um, and, and can't wait to play a game with him again. No, yeah, it's like, because I've been chatting, like, he's part of the reason, like, I've improved so much with Pathfinders because we've been kind of like uh, sharing a lot of tactics. But yeah, he is very, very good. Yeah, he caught on to a lot of the way modern Pathfinder players are playing now. Um, and yes. he was way ahead of the curve on it. Um, and he was, you know, his, his ability to play positionally, um, you know, let things uh, linger with marker lights and really let those let those build up and know when to attack, when to hold back. I, I think some of that, one of the difficult things about, I think, talking about competitive kill team is, at least for me, it's hard to articulate in broad strokes what the tactics look like. And it really turns into like, well, in this situation, when it's your activation, like you need to move here for like these three reasons. And it, it's not like you can run, follow a script. And yes. what Travis is so good at uh, is that he knows how to make those moves. He knows how to make those plays and recognize how the board states develop especially early in the game and make the moves he needs to make. And it's, it's way outside of, well, just do the grenade rush. We'll, we'll just do this. We'll just do that. I'm um, really having a bird's eye view of where you need to do to develop the board state in the game. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, great guy. Uh, love playing with him. That was the first uh, event where I played against Travis uh, was, was KTO. Um, after that, I played in the uh, international uh, kill team uh, competition on Discord, you know, TTS. Oh, uh, nice. And so I played for the U.S. team. We came second uh, to Spain, uh, which oh, yeah. turned into sort of a recurring thread through the year and one I've been working on to try to to try to address. Yes, uh, I then I, I played in some local tournaments um, in my in my local game stores uh, where I did quite well. Uh, I went back to a, sort of a, a bigger event, well, quote unquote bigger, um, at the Seattle Open in May. Um, ended up winning that event, met a bunch of excellent people. I had no idea how much of a thriving, fun uh, Kill Team community was up there in the Seattle area. Uh, and won my, uh, won my golden ticket from that event as well, which I, I didn't know going into it. Uh, that was I didn't know what it was or, or uh, oh. anything about it going to the event. It was a complete surprise. Uh, I went up there actually just to, uh, to visit some, uh, some friends. And it just turned out that the event was going on that weekend. So I played in it and uh, then got, got the golden tickets. That was really fun. Um, and then in May, I uh, won the Bay Area Open. Uh, again, a few nail-biter games. Um, Want to wanna shout it to uh, Emmanuel for strategic advantage, who just almost ate my lunch excellent player and he was just biting at my biting at my back the entire time and just almost got me uh we had uh, a day during the sort of like narrative uh day where he actually he, he beat me he had his, his pumped up juiced up narrative squad and i hadn't played narrative before so i was like okay let, let's roll dice and see see what goes into it uh, and that was a hoot um and then we met again during the during the champs and i i took it by an absolute hair um, so, so that was, uh, excellent, excellent games there. And then I, uh, also won the Atlantic city open. So that, that was my second game playing against Travis, uh, this time as novitiates, 
So I switched to novitiates after Kill Team Open. And so I'd been running them, uh, you know, since then for the, for the rest of the quarter there. And so Atlantic City Open, I met Travis again and sort of, uh, you know, had my, I knew it was going to happen. Uh, had my, had my grudge, you know, rematch against him and was able to take that. Uh, definitely had some things go my way during the game that really needed to. Um, and so that was, that was what uh, eventually catapulted me to that first place spot in ITC rankings. Uh, and me and my friends went out that night and we, when we saw the ITC page update, we were all celebrating and shouting. And, uh, I don't know uh, if anyone knows this, but the, the margin that I was ahead of ACE, uh, of was very, very thin. Uh, I, I believe I had point 0.9, I think. So I had, so <laughs> just, just to, just to show how small this was, I was at 919.09 points and he was at flat 919. And so all my friends are basically giving me grief because they're like, yeah, you're technically first place, technically first place, you know, like, like a bunch of asterisks ahead of it. Cause it was just the, the tiniest margin imaginable. Um, but it was, yeah. So, so that was, that was really great. And uh, so that was sort of where I got to be where I am competitively. What was, uh, was Atlantic open uh, a go ticket event as well? Because like, well, if you're not aware at home, go ticket basically means it's a free like flight and hotel to the final in New Mexico run by Games Workshop. Because I, I had heard you had won like two or three qualifying events. Because <laughs> I, I don't know if that's true or not. No. So the Bay Area Open and Atlantic City Open were frontline gaming events. So these were not Games Workshop events. And there was no golden ticket for these. So, okay. uh, so no, it was just the Seattle Open, which was a, a happy accident. <laughs> Well, yeah, because it's like what what threw me off is like because um, originally because of your surname, I thought you were Spanish. So when I was like, "Oh, Chris back," I was like, <laughs> "Another Spanish has overtaken Ace." And I only found out like a month ago, like you were literally like because if you weren't complete like tracking ITC points, basically Ace was first since I think even before LVO. No, it was after LVO. Sorry, he's been first. Uh, like he he got to first I think in like March or. Yeah, sometime is March, and he'd been like until then, and then like you suddenly took over, I think in May, and then yep. or and or no, it, were, it was in it was in June, June. Sorry, yeah, and you were first place for pretty much all of summer, which is an eternity for for some people who are who are fighting for first place. Uh, so it's it's really good because like in the UK, we've kind of we we almost gave up. Uh, well, we did give up and like trying to go like ah, we're, we're never going to chase these ITC points. So it's like. Because at one point, the top 100 players were all Spanish. So like for Chris to do that is, is huge. But it's not even just you. There are a lot of other, I think uh, Travis is in the top 10 or 30 as well. And like there are a few other American players as well. But yeah, you I, gained I think... number one is crazy. Good. Not crazy. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, who, who I'm just rolling dice and having fun. No, um, I, I don't know if Travis is in the top 10 yet. Like only because he just hasn't had enough ITC ranked events. He's an excellent yes. player. Uh, he's definitely one of the best U S players, like, you know, very, in a very short list of players, he's definitely up there. I just don't think he's played in enough events to, to, for his rank to into, to show, um, proportional to, to what his skill level is, but he's, he yeah, absolutely yeah. should be up there. Uh, but I didn't go into it for the points, uh, after LVO, uh, my biggest sort of, um, thing that I, I took away from it was the Spanish players were, were great guys and great players. It was lovely meeting them. And it was clear that one of the biggest things that they had in their toolbox was how practiced they are. And Kill Team is a game of repetition, sort of knowing how to handle certain situations, how to stay disciplined, how to not get your game game plan derailed. 
And these guys, you know, they had their team jerseys. They were, they told me they were playing, you know, weekly, multiple games every week. And that level of discipline and practice really showed. And all of them were able to come to the event and do well. And there was a healthy mix of U.S. and Spanish players in top eight. Um, they, they weren't, they weren't to, a, to a man steamrolling the event, uh, contrary to some popular opinion. Um, but they all, you know, most of them placed in the top eight and did quite well. And it was clear that that, that level of practice was doing it. So after LVO, I, what I really wanted to do was foster that same sort of competitive community in the United States, have us run a lot more events, build up a local scene, and get to a, a system where more people are playing more Kill Team more often. And that was one of the reasons it was great to be able to participate and help out with the Kill Team Open, which was our largest event to, to date, and I think drew a lot more attention into the game domestically. Oh yeah, 100%. Because it was just, I think it's the only Kill Team, of, at least in America, I think even in the world, that's just an event dedicated for Kill Team, but I'd need to check with the Spanish events. But like, I think I remember that got like, I think altogether 100 players, but it was split, I think 40 narrative, 60 competitive. But even then, that's a great attendance for just getting people to play Kill Team. Yeah, I believe the, the champions uh, was 60 players, which was a whole lot of players. It was, it was a little funny because they, they broke it into pods uh, for, for even the, the first day. And then there was like a top four cut and each pod would go on to day two. Yep. But because of how they split up the pods, you know, there's just a healthy, you know, different mix of different players and different factions in the pods. So, you know, there was a huge showing of Warp Coven at the event and I didn't play a single Warp Coven game. What I did play against was Wormblade and about half of my games <laughs> through the entire event were all Wormblade. And wow. uh, that was one of those events that, you know, people came away from it and wanted to have a lock down the, the allowed factions well in advance of the event. And it was this event was what really triggered that in a lot of people because there were a huge amount of just rules, disputes, and questions on how things worked. Uh, Wormblade were a mechanically very funky team, and a lot of people who were playing as or against them didn't fully understand the ramifications of the rules. And this this happened already before with like Vetguard, especially, and sometimes with Commandos, but it was so much more pronounced when the tricks are a core part of your game plan and not just like some add-ons how the faction works. No, yeah, 100%. Especially with how, like for me, the Wormblade seemed to have been written in to intentionally just be confusing because they have the weirdest limitations where it's like, oh, you can only use this stratagem once per operative. And you're like, what? Uh, once per you can use this strategy or a uh, stratagem on anyone except your like co-agents. And it's like, oh, Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't know that wasn't clearly stated. Like, and then equipment. It's like, yeah. So I, I completely get that because it's they're a very confusing kill team until you study them and play them, and then you go, oh, oh, I have to read everything really, really slowly, and then it all makes sense. Yeah. The the unfortunate part of the kill team twenty one rules writing is you know it's it's generally pretty tight and pretty locked down, which is a historically a problem with Games Workshop rule sets. Yes. But on the flip side, you have to read it like a lawyer. And you can't intuit the way a lot of things are working just by reading it at a glance. You have yes. to you have to get your pen and paper out and actually read specifically what all the keywords are saying, the the specific words and terminology. And if you get your mind into that that mindset, you're going to be okay. But you you can't pick things up at a glance. Yeah, because it's like uh, I think the interesting thing, like as you pick up, you've you've mentioned before, like with kill team, it's. Because people always ask, "Oh, how do you play it competitively?" But it's like, as you as you said, you can't really explain it. It it's it's like when you it's very fluid. Because I've always had trouble like showing people because people go, oh, "How do you do that? How do you win with this kill team?" I was like, "It's actually really hard. Uh, you can't just go, oh, you you just like oh, point and click. 
um, you have to set up everything and it's normally people go, oh, I, I have multiple plans. It's like, no, 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 no. You need multiple plans per activation. You need to be able to go, I have this operative and they can do three different things based on what my opponent does and et cetera. And you, you do need to know everything. And I think like uh, when I was chatting to you at Nova, we had so many, like, usually I don't play with people who see that. Usually like my, my training friend, Charles does it, can see a lot and some of the London players do as well. But generally a lot of people don't. It's like, yeah, when I was speaking to Travis, he he clearly sees the game the same way. And yeah, when I was chatting to you, I was really impressed and like in awe uh, of how, like even like you were just glancing around all the games and you could just see all the plays. And it's usually really hard for anyone to see that. Yep. Yeah, a- absolutely. It's, you, you see something similar when, and I think this is a big, you know, issue with people coming from 40k, when there like is sort of a way to play the factions, and there's just a set of moves that you're going to do. And also the list building is such a critical ingredient. And when you see people sort of hopping on the discord and, and asking about a faction, you know, one of the first questions people are always asking is, oh, you know, what, what's the what's the best list? You know, what, what list do I want to run? And really fixating on that part of the game specifically, when again, kill team is a lot more about the fluidity of, of how the match is going. And it's a little bit less about you know what your list is specifically and how you develop the board state in your in your favor. And it's 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 hard for me to really explain it, um, but it's it's a it's a sense you get. Yeah, it's like you get the more you play your kill team and the more you know your opponent. Like because even when I was playing Charles, he's like, oh, you know what you should do with your with your pathfinders. It's like what you play way too defensively with them. It's like you're you're too terrified of anyone anyone dying. I was like, well, yeah, they're all important. It's like I play vet guard. Put your gunner out as bait. I was like, but that's really important. I was like, yeah, yeah, but people would do stupid things to get your gunner. Like, and like ever since that day, uh, it's like it's it's putting out that bait. All of a sudden, people will make the craziest plays to go and kill one of your guys. And when you think about it, it's like when you're playing Pathfinders, you lose one operative, you're down to 12. They have sacrificed so many players, like so many operatives to get that one operative. You can now just go, oh, punish, 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 punish. And it's not even just doing that all the time. It's like uh, even throwing away an operative to get control of the board in terms of like missions and positioning. It's really hard to explain because, as you said, the game is so fluid. People can't see it. And there's so many uh, layers to a game. Uh, like I think when we were talking about my uh, my final game with Harlequins, we were like, I'd set out bait expecting my opponent to take it. He had seen the bait. And then refused to, and like he did the option I thought no one would do, which was just not take the bait, <laughs> and then which was worse because yeah. then he allowed me to like cannon into his back line, and I was like, oh, because he had he had only fixated on the guy on the building, he had forgot about the guy behind the door with a with a really powerful grenade, and I was even though I've made that clear to him, like it, it's it's that evolving board state because even what I had my backup backup plan is then my death jester would pop up and shoot someone as well and then pop back down. So it was like never, it's it's not just having one plan, it's having multiple plans for each activation. And then the problem you have is like trying to do that in time because most people will spend a whole turn setting that up. And just, I think one thing like I've seen is where people go, okay, that's my plan. I'm just going to wait. Okay, he hasn't taken the bait. He hasn't taken the bait. I'm losing the mission. And there he is, there he is. Cool, I'll do it. And they, by the time they've done it, they've waited so long to trigger their trap. It's pointless in a way. Yeah, you absolutely, you know, need to be able to set up multiple threats where you can start in, you know, independent kill chains. And if you only have one course of action, one avenue, especially if your opponent spots it, they can shut it down. 
and you know so often when your opponent sort of makes this this power move or this bait move or, or you know has somebody charge in and maybe kill two operatives with them what a lot of players do reflexively is like oh that guy's scary i want to kill him but that operative already activated this turn right they're not mm-hmm. going to do very much more maybe they'll get an overwatch later maybe that's the last thing you need to deal with you need to deal with the other ready operatives who are still going to hurt you and especially if you can do it in a way that's going to destabilize your opponent's game plan. Well, that piece that just moved, that just killed two of your guys, well, that may have been holding some other position or stopping some other charge from working and really exploring that and opening up holes where your opponent can can kind of, you know, punch holes in their own game plan. Uh, you know, you want to find ways to set it up. And, you know, like we talked about to death, you can't write a guide to do that, right? You do you have yes. to just pl- have that repetition, you know, have those those games in your your garage or your local game store week after week after week. You have to see these things develop and get practiced. Yeah, yeah, because like the thing I really liked what you touched upon is when LVO after that you realize you need more games. Because I was kind of in a similar spot where I was like, after like Warhammer World and when I played at my other tournaments, I was like, oh wow, yeah, people have caught up. I need to like improve my game. And the thing is, I. Uh, for me, I was already playing a lot of games, but what I decided to do was just what I did when I played Warhammer Underworld, which was just play at every tournament I can in terms of just... Because in the UK, we're really lucky. Everything's really close. Because like, you guys travel so far for your oh, events. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So when people go, oh, you're traveling three hours for an event, John, that's crazy. I was like, yeah, you know, I could travel six hours for an event if I was an American or even in Europe. And they'll go like, really? I was like, yeah. So because uh, the way I the way I practice is like... Um, once you've, cause I'm lucky in terms of everyone plays enough regularly here. There's enough, a local scene, but I try and practice at different events to see how everyone else is playing. So I don't get used to one meta and like you have been traveling around as well. Like you have played at a lot of American events. Like they're not near cause we say cities and people go, Oh, there must be close. But like, literally, as I said, it would have taken you like six hours on average i guess to travel to those tournaments yeah each of the east coast flights is a six hour flight and i i can't you know agree with you more there on you have to see different metas you have to travel around a little bit and see how people are playing it in different areas because if you're and, and i see this happen time and time again where there's a player in their local meta and they are dominant right they are just yes. beating everybody up they're having a great time and then they go to their first event. And the number of people I've talked to who that is just a rude awakening, and you see all these plays, you see you see factions you're used to fighting, or you see players u- using those factions, you think you know them, and all of a sudden they're doing these crazy things you've never seen. You know, I see that I, I saw this happening a lot with Void Dancers, where you know yes. people in their in their local areas would get used to Void Dancers being played one way. Um, you know, for example, um, one of the ways that it was, you know, done with me locally was this very defensive opening, always doing tragedy and players who were used to that going to a bigger event and seeing these players open up where they're hyper aggressive. They're, they're starting off with maybe melodrama going for kills early and not trying to do this defensive play and then creating a board state where they may have lost someone turn one, but they're so ahead and everything else. And they've got all these charges set up for turn, turn two, that it's just, you know, over. And that's just an example. Um, but you have to, you know, just because somebody plays a faction a certain way doesn't mean everyone will play that faction a certain way. There's a whole, you know, p- different players play vet guard. You can see massive differences in character. Pathfinders, you can see differences in character with the decisions they make, with how they set up, the, you know, their overlapping firing lanes. You have to travel around, see different looks to get a whole feel for how the faction plays, not just how your local players play them. Yeah, 100%. Because I literally, uh, it, it, go- it goes again with like, there's no set, 
guidebook because you can play a faction in any way. There's no, there may be a, an efficient way, but there's no set way. Like even as you said with like the void dancers, what threw people off against me? Everyone was like, "Oh, void dancers just rush in and, and kill everyone." You're, I'm not used to you just sitting back for two turning points. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, I can score my attack ops at any time. Like I can max them out easily. Uh, I, I can control the mission with my free APL. Uh, I'm not going to run into you. And they were like, "Oh, but I, I deployed." So that you would. And I was like, yeah, I, I was hoping you would. <laughs> because they were like, yeah, you're just going to rush in and charge and die. Yeah, why would I charge into the open? Uh, and it's like, it's just stuff like that. Because that's how it caught so many people off guard. And like as you say, yeah, you, you see crazy things. Like I did not, uh, unless if I didn't travel, I wouldn't have seen people like putting uh, in Wormblade, putting their gunners into Deep Strike. So then like they bring down their grenade launcher and then like, uh, one of their other weapons. And it's like, oh, I thought you just bring down the normal guys. Like, no, I can bring down any neophyte. It just has to be a neophyte. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. I didn't even think of that. And it, it just opens you up because everyone just usually goes, oh, I'm only going to do this because this is the most efficient way to play. But you need to play against that variance to get that practice because there's always going to be a chance where you, when you're in an important game and you go, okay, I, I know this guy inside and out. And then they completely flummox you and it screws you up, especially if you've deployed in such a way to expect how they play. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, my my actually the best example I'd have of that was recently at Nova, when I was watching your game, and <laughs> you switched to a melee focused Pathfinders, and I think that's a great oh, example yes. of like understanding that you do have these tools at your disposal. They can perform a charge action. They can roll dice in a fight, and like if that is constructive to your game plan, that is an option. Uh, that's something that I, you know, that was such an excellent game. And I would encourage anyone listening if, uh, to watch their video of that game if you can, because it is just fabulous seeing this giant Tau versus Tau <laughs> melee fight. Um, really excellent. Uh, that was something oh, you I can found watch it on your Twitch channel, Killstream. Uh, yes, Killteam Kill Stream. Stream. Yeah, Killteam Kill Stream, Stream. You can watch it there. Um, excellent game. Uh, and, you know, it reminds me, it reminded me a little bit of back when I played Vet Guard, and I was very willing to charge too. And there were times where I'd charge a Vet Guard into a Warp Coven Sorcerer, um, you know, <laughs> or charge, in, charge into some of the Wormblade operatives. Um, and, you know, it's like, well, yeah, but my Vet Guard guy isn't very good in melee. It's like, well, that's that's true, but if that if that Wormblade, um, you know, gunner or Wormblade guy with what, whatever wants to do something other than just punch you and have nothing happen, they'll have to fall back or do something else and, or have to allocate somebody to kill that trooper first. And that opens up a lot of the tempo of the game if you don't only think about, well, how much damage can I do? Um, or, you know, where can I work and go to get this specific shot? But really think about it holistically to lock up your opponent. And it all just speaks back to how powerful having those 12 or 13 activations truly is. Yeah, because it's like, I think what people forget is like, oh, you hit on fours or fives in combat. It's like, yes, but if I have plus two or plus three uh, outnumbering, I'm hitting on twos and threes. And then they go like, wait, what? I thought I thought engagement bonus capped at one. It's like, nope, nope. It's just if I've got three guys around one guy, I'm getting plus two, plus two or plus three to hit, depending on how much I outnumber by. And then all of a sudden, when your Pathfinder starts hitting on threes and twos, it, it's crazy. Like even in that game, I was like, okay, I'll charge him. If he's smart, he'll fall back, but he he would just be sacrificing a guy to fall back, and he didn't. So he allowed me to dogpile him, and then by the time I'd whittled enough away, he literally had one pathfinder versus three pathfinders and one pathfinder versus four pathfinders. So he was in a position where he now he couldn't fight back and fall back. So it's it's even stuff like that because people like write off combat, and it's even charging someone to the point where, especially if they've activated, then you can't be shot because all they can do to kill you now is charge you or they have to wait till the next turning point and spend two APL to fall back. 
because even a Marine will have to fall back to APL and then all they can do is shoot you, which is preferable to them just going like move, capture a point and shoot someone or charge someone. Yep. Or so, you extrapolate it out, you know, that Marine example, you know, so the Marine activated this turn already, you charge in and you don't fight. You say, well, yeah, well, that Marine could just activate next turn and just punch and beat the crap out of my Pathfinder or Vet Guard. Why would I do that? Well, you're, you're doing that because that means that next time they activate next turn, they can't do another fight action during their activation. You're limiting their options more so that now they might be able to charge something else, but they wouldn't be able to fight it, which reduces their space of tools that they have. And you, you have to be able to think that one turn, two turns ahead into what actions they'd have available next turn. You know, a lot of people underrate stun when those things become available for that for that same reason, not really realizing what that does to the tempo of the game when you reduce your opponent's options. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Um, but but outside of tactics, we did touch on it as well, but that you did try and like like grow in your scene because that's like a really important thing which I think people miss out because no matter how like dominant you are, if you have no one to play with, you're never going to get anywhere. Because yeah. it's like, we've been chatting about this a lot, but I think like you have done so much work to grow the American scene. Like it's not just you, there's a whole group of players, but like I am so like not even just like with Nova, you've done so much. It's I think it's worth talking about just so people, even if they're aware of like how they've grown the scenes in their own places, it's just really good to hear about, in my opinion. Yeah, so the you know the the biggest thing is just trying to run events, getting them thrown on BCP, and getting people there, uh, creating a very you know positive, welcoming culture where yeah, if you're there to be sweaty, you want to win. That's great. We got boards for you. But hey, you're curious about Kill Team, you don't know what it is. Um, let's go sit down and have a demo game. Something I've worked really hard is is practicing on how to introduce people to Kill Team, how to give them a sense of how things are working. Um, I've spent a lot of time explaining how things like APL work, how obscuring works, and really trying to develop myself as a trainer of people learning the game. I found that if you explain the game right to people well early on, they're going to get way less confused earlier. And some of these concepts of how activations work, how, how line of sight works, be, can become a little bit borderline intuitive for them if you really try to frame it up in their in their mindset as well as you can. So I started running events right after KTL is when I started. Uh, so I was working with uh, Sheldon from Kill Team Stream, and we started putting on events together, uh, sort of co-running tournaments, and I helped out. And I, I loved, you know, organizing events. And so I started uh, organizing uh, on my own more local events at my local game stores and having a blast. And even though I wasn't playing, it was great to bring people into the game. Um, I'd be streaming games in my garage on Fridays. And so trying to, you know, trying to get some viewers online, you know, inviting some friends over, getting them some pizza, introducing some people to Kill Team. And I think I've brought, I think, six people in my just my local area into the game uh, since nice. earlier this year, um, plus been been, you know, running some tournaments. Uh, and then, you know, part in that is having people have a good time when they play you. And so another thing that I sort of figured out was I was playing Vetguard and Avitiates, and those could have some feels bad moments when uh, you're playing against them and you want to shoot somebody. Oh, no, you can't shoot me. You want to shoot me? Oh, well, oh, I pop in Death Atonement and actually I shoot you and we both die. So uh, I switched to Blooded uh, because that <laughs> team, I when I started playing as Blooded, people were telling me, wow, Chris, I had so much fun playing you, you know, even though even though I, I'd still win sometimes. Uh, they'd say, you know, it was so much fun killing all your operatives and they're so kind of goofy and they're they're all very violent and trying to go into melee and people are just having a great time, you know, killing that Ogryn or killing the, the butcher guy in there. And so uh, for most of summer, I had been playing as Blooded because it really gave people a great experience getting into the game, getting to kill my stuff and really getting a feel for what that back and forth looks like in Kill Team. No, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Like, I think, like, I, I've done 
stuff on it before, but like that's the perfect way to grow a scene. And I think people forget it's like they look at tournament players and go, "Oh, you're just going to play to win." But it's like literally, where we we need a local scene. We need people to like where, when you play a good competitive player you will generally have a good time because if they're a proper competitive player, they will know how to make the game, you know, obviously there's going to be like feel bads, as you said, when like certain kill teams just do stuff you can't play around, but it's like, you're, you're generally trying to be nice and welcoming because you're not like, I'm only here to win game over. Goodbye. Like there's like all this chat and stuff. And it's, as you said, making people feel welcome. So they actually keep playing because I've seen the wrong thing where people get, like they're, they're, it's a new new scene, and like I see people get so salty, they just go to your opponent. Oh, I, I only won. I like I only lost because you're playing that team, and like this is like someone brand new against someone who's been playing for ages and stuff. Like it's so important to do what you said, and it's like, uh, like I've been trying to help as well in in the UK, and it's it's just really important to the growth of the scene. But I think everything you've done there is like amazing because like, I was even talking to Travis, like because I thought you were going to play at Nova. And he, I was like, oh, he's going to play uh, Novitiate. Novitiate's really hard for me because if they're a good player. He's like, oh, no, he's playing Blooded. And I was like, why? He should play Novitiate. And he's like, I know, but he's not as sweaty as us. And I was like, I know, but he should be. <laughs> uh, so I was like, no, that was really like, because I've been playing Blooded as well. But I, I totally get what you're say, saying. Because like when I, um, if I'm down at my local club or my local gaming group, I won't really bring like my tournament, like hyper competitive teams. I'll bring stuff like, yeah, Blooded, um, even like uh, Corsairs, because they're, they're pretty much fun, or even like, um, what is it, like a bunch of my like Tyranids as well, just because I think people get thrown like, oh, where, when I practice or when I'm playing local club night, I have to go like all the way. It's like, you can still learn while playing any team. It, it, it doesn't like, playing a different team doesn't make, mean you're not getting any practice. And I think that's what a lot of people miss when they go, oh, I don't want to do intro games because... I'm not going to learn anything because uh, against this new player, they're just going to do everything wrong. And it's like, no, but you're going to learn how to teach the game and how to approach the game from a different point of view, especially while using a kill team you've never played before. So you can use that as a learning experience, not just for the new player, but as well as yourself while also hoping to grow your scene. Yeah, I would, you know, I think that's a great point. And I would all, I would actually emphasize that if you're trying to play at a really high level, it's actually beneficial for you to force yourself to switch factions uh, because of exactly what we were talking about before, where players start getting into a pattern with how they approach their turns in the game and what they want to do with their operatives. And if you get a little bit too tunnel vision into what you're expecting to do, uh, that can hurt you. So if you're playing a bunch of different factions, seeing how they approach it, not only are you more likely to play against somebody who, oh, I played as them before, I know how that works, but you also get just a wider sense of what every, what every tool in the game can be used for and, and just gives you more examples of, oh, well, with this ability, I can do this. With plus an APL, I can do that. And you did it in one faction, you can actually bring that skill, you know, that experience to another. So yeah, 100% right. Um, and and with, with Nova, uh, you know, uh, I was originally planning on streaming for Nova and trying to see if I could play too. And that was my original plan is, is I was going to play on the casuals and probably stream uh, Nova for, for uh, champs. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the TO for Nova, uh, Matt, uh, had to step away from the event. And so I ended up uh, being TO for the whole thing. And that was the largest event I've run so far. Um, but, you know, people seemed to have a really great time, which was awesome. Um, I had a great time meeting a bunch of people. And, you know, I'm happy it went really well. And 100% can't wait to go to Nova next year. And maybe I'll get to play in it. Yeah, no, no. I'm like, hopefully I should be going as well. But it's like, it's really cool because I think like, 
even just streaming, like people being able to see how the games are going on makes makes such a huge difference. Especially I was like, the weirdest thing is how we have this kind of drought of streamed events. Like even, uh, I know GW have been streaming some of their US events, but even in the UK, they've been doing nothing. And it's just this drought of uh, like streaming content for Kill Team because you've got it for Sigma, 40K. Like it, it attracts so many people because it's like, even if you can like, like especially if you're at your own tournament, like even if you can just get a camera, even without commentary, like even if you just go like, here's the game, like just letting people see how it plays because you learn so much from just watching. Like you can do so much to help grow a scene. Like I even liked what you said, like with the ITC points, because people go, oh, I don't really care about the ITC points. But so I've been helping to grow a scene in Manchester and I was like, oh, you should submit all your points, all your tournaments to ITC. It's like, oh, why? I was like, well, you've got some competitive players there and it's a nice way to build up points and you'll actually build up retention because you'll get people playing because your venue's really good and you'll get more people coming because they'll go, okay, I did this last time. Now I want to do better or like I want to keep my progress up. And it's actually helped them. They've gone from like 16, the 12, 16, 20, and now 20 again. So it's like doing little things. Like obviously streaming is more on the higher end of what you could do. But even just like submitting all your results to ITC, you'd be surprised no matter who it is, how much it actually gets them to uh, retain playing because they can now always have a track record of seeing how they've done at previous events. And they can go, oh, I actually came 16th at the first tournament. Now I've come 11th. Now I've come second. Oh, I'm rank- racking up points as well. And it's not putting me like on the leaderboard, but I've got points now. And it's like, oh, wow, this feels really good. And it's just that list, those little things. And like even as you said, like intro nights or even just going like, uh, I know some tournaments, they do like casual tournaments, like where it's like stuff like compendium only or stuff like that. Or even like um, they'll do a side casual tournament and the competitive tournament. There's like stuff you can do to appeal to everyone because it's like as long as you get more people, you'll get people like looking at the event going either online going, wow, that event got a lot of players. Or you'll get people watching going, wow, this this game is really picking up. What are they playing? Oh, it's Kill Team. I didn't realize everyone was playing Kill Team here. I'm going to come to the next one because I see that all the time for any kind of event really that gets quite big or promoted. Yep, yeah, the the word of mouth carries so much, and you know it, it was uh, you know reminding me what you said of when players are seeing those those scores in VCP. You know my my local play group uh, didn't really want to go to a tournament. They're like, oh, you know, it feels like there's going to be a lot of you know sweaty players there, and I I don't want to be super competitive about the game. I'm just here to have fun, and I can't be like, no, it it is fun. You guys will have a good time. You know, like it'll be okay. Just 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 join me. So uh, I brought my you know, my local group off to BAO, and uh, you know uh, by the end of the the first day, um, you know everyone was you know looking at their scores in BCP and sort of recapping their games with each other and seeing their seeing their accumulated points, and these folks who had originally been oh I wasn't very into being competitive and it didn't really matter, well you, now that you actually see your scores and you see your you know your buddy did a little bit better than you and you're like all frustrated and oh well I I could win tomorrow I I can beat that. And it sort of lights everyone's, you know, fire inside of, of, of winning and, you know, getting those points. And so absolutely couldn't agree more that it does a lot to, to get people invested. Yeah. Cause even like, um, like one example is like Charles, I, I've been telling Charles, he's really good. He's like, oh, I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm not, I like, he's like, the problem is when he plays 40 K and Sigma, like it's like you make one mistake and it costs you the game and you can't see what you did wrong. But I, when I showed him, he was like, look, you're, you are now ranked like third or fourth in the UK. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, you're you're like a hundredth in the world, which is still really good. 
Um, but he was like, oh, wow, I didn't know. I was like, yeah, like you're a good player, dude. It shows. And when you can see that, it helps so much. Um, like, because as you said, it just it encourages attendance. But it's it's like like part of the reason I uh, flew out to Nova, because I know a lot of people think, oh, you were just going there to win. I was actually just going there as a holiday, but also um, to help grow events. Because I've seen, if I go to an event, um, the next one, it's, it's more populated because people go, oh, he went there. It sounded good. And like, generally, like if you haven't been to America, it's actually really, really nice. Everyone's so friendly. You will have a good time. Like uh, players, they're competitive, but I think Americans are the friendliest people I have encountered in Warhammer, in my opinion. Like, oh, it, well, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you had such a good time. Really, that really makes me happy. No, yeah, it's really good. Like, I, I would definitely like. I plan to now go to more American events, and obviously, we're not saying like you have to go to America. Like, uh, obviously, if you can afford to and it's convenient, highly recommend uh, flying around. Even if you're in America, because like the biggest thing is like. I can't stress enough to us, to the UK viewers, they will literally have to fly from one part of America to another to go to another tournament. So if, if you're thinking about flying around America or to America, you would you will not have a bad time. Like it, it's generally a really nice scene and you have competitive players, but everyone's really friendly. Like I, I think the biggest thing I've always been trying to uh, defeat the misconception of is like competitive players like sweaty meme lo- like sweaty guys who don't who don't have any social skills who are just like in it to win whereas like generally 99 percent of the time everyone's super friendly they want to win but they want to ensure the game's good so they will try to ensure that as the priority yeah i i you know in other games all bets are off i can't say but i can say for certainty uh, one thing that drew me to the Kill Team competitive community was when I went to Atlantic City Open last summer as my first you know, big event uh, back in 2021, everyone was so welcoming and nice. And it was this like just almost culture shock for me of like, oh my God, these everyone is just so friendly and happy to be here. And even the players who are super good, you know, exactly like you're saying, they're not they're not rude about it they're not being super sweaty you know they'll, they'll talk to you after the game and you know shake hands and you're smiling and and you're you've got this warm very warm spirit um you know one of the one of the best u.s players you know uh, who i played at the barry open emmanuel he is one of the nicest gentlemen you will ever meet he is just so friendly and you know even at a tournament when he's playing against a newer player he'll he'll tell them what moves they could make he'll take back moves he'll he'll really uh, you know show and, and talk through you know what he's thinking about for his turn and this is for a competitive event um and because he's there to really you know make people have a good time help grow the game and really do what he can to, to to grow the community and there's players you know he's he's an example but there's players like him all across you know i'd imagine the world but definitely in the u.s that i've that i've run into and it, it's a really really good scene and culture um on both the east coast and the west coast yeah 100 percent. it's like uh, it's 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 not lit. It's not me saying that just because I won. It, it was generally a really good time. Like ev- the only problem is if you haven't been to America, you you may die while crossing the road because everyone like just drives through on red lights. Uh, but that's a normal thing, apparently. Those Outside those that, DC drivers, especially, were something else. Um, yes. Yeah. No. Watch uh, watch the crosswalks. But but otherwise, no. Um, you know, a lot of great food here, great culture. I I know you got to do some great sightseeing while you're in DC. Um, yeah. Did anything really stand out to you that you particularly liked? Oh, it's just every, like a, a natural history museum was the best, but everything was just really nice. Like even just going to the landmarks, it was, it was more well-organized and spaced out than in the UK. 
And it was just a nice, like, I don't mind walking. So walking everywhere was really nice as well. And the weather was like, the views were just great. So even like, cause what I'm doing is tying them as holidays and it like in America, like where you go, usually, um, the American tournaments are in really nice places and you're going to have a good time. Like it's, it's just really, really nice. Like I can't stress it. Even outside of the tournament, everyone's friendly. Like, especially even after competitive day one, we all just chilled and like had some very nice bourbon, which was very, very nice. Yeah. Strong was, uh... kick, but very nice. Yeah, that was uh, one of the vet guard players, Nick. Uh, brought yeah, some yeah. brought some excellent bourbon, and uh, that was a uh, shout out to the uh, the whole crew from Plasma Spam, one of the oh, East yeah. Coast teams. Gentlemen, all of them, um, yes. and especially uh, a special thank you. Uh, I was streaming for the event, but the streaming rig I had never actually set up that streaming setup before, oh. and it didn't get in until Friday night. So the Plasma Spam crew all helped me set it up, um, and we were you know we we started getting to it at like eight or nine and didn't have all, all of the setup till 11 PM. Um, this was the day before the champs event. So really shout out and a special thank you to the plasma Spam crew for helping me out there. You guys did me a huge solid. Uh, there was a lot going on. Um, you know, I was, I was all the way on the East coast and running the whole event and uh, doing the stream. So it was really helpful for me that they helped out. So thank you guys. Oh no. Yeah. They're great. Like, like all of them, I like, played most of them. They're all real gents, especially Nick. Like he was so friendly. He's like a, he's really big like in terms of tall and uh yep. it anyway it was really friendly and it was just like yeah everyone's really you're gonna have a good time like it's just i cannot big up like how good america is so if you want to go there 100 re- percent recommend it but but to wrap things up it's like yeah chris you you are literally at one point for a long time it for a long time for me anyway were, were the was the best player in the world so i hope people have kind of gotten to know you a bit better because I think you you do deserve the fame because especially like how Ace is kind of, no one even knows Ace got dethroned for a bit. And it's like, you know, Ace is a great guy, but it was great to see someone else up, up top there. And even then you're still number two and ranked one in America. So it's like, yeah, and then Ace is as a gentleman. Um, it was lovely playing him at uh, LVO. I look forward to. I'm going to be playing him again at the GW event in New Mexico in November. Yes. So very excited for that. Um, but a class act, all of the Spanish crew, and uh, you know, from America, we love you guys. But we're all we uh, we're here to be competitive too. And it's very exciting to see you know you guys on the world stage. We're on the world stage in the UK. Um, you know, like you alluded to earlier, is up and up and coming here. Now that you guys are running more events and, and starting to go for points more. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, when all three three of the countries can find places to fly some of their players out to single events and uh, hash it out because uh, these are awesome and it, the, the, the competition's great. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah. No, yeah, because I'm actually hoping for the game gets to a point where I can, like, help run or co-run, like, um, you have it for 40K. It's, like, called the World Team Championships where you just have, like, teams of... Uh, well, from different countries, and everyone can play because, like, if we could find some place for that, I think that would just be awesome. Like, you know, if a Spanish team, American team, UK team, uh, like Polish team, French team, like that. Like, if we can grow the game to that state globally. That would be so cool. I yeah, I would love to. You know, you know, maybe this is getting ahead of ourselves, but love to see if we could do that sometime, maybe next year, and yeah. uh, you know, have some big tournament in the UK. I think that's like a relatively central location, and we could definitely get some American players to fly out for that. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's like the because the the main goal here is like not just to boost you, which is the main goal. I'm not gonna lie, but it's also to get more people to travel internationally. Because I, I just can't stress, it's not 
we're not telling you to like, like fly now book find your your next like big international event and go i mean you could there's the chicago american gw open and then after that you've got the kansas open which are both golden ticket events yes they uh, are uh, unfortunately, Warhammer World for December already sold out because the Spanish bought all the tickets. But that's a, that's another <laughs> thing entirely. But if it's convenient, you can. And like what I do is I tie it to a holiday. But especially if you're going to America, you will not have a good time. Uh, you will not have a bad time. Sorry, yeah, you will okay. not have a bad time. <laughs> You'll have a terrible time. No, no, no. Uh, you have a great time. Like it, it's just even if you're just going to a local, like traveling more, it's more important you go to your event because you will have fun. And you'll just get more people because we didn't start out just going. Oh yeah, we're just we're just so good. It's literally just went went to an event and go. Oh wow, uh, like I didn't win my first event. I think it took me like three or four events to win an event for Kill Team. And it always takes practice. So like what we're trying to stress is just uh, even if you're growing your scene, you it, it will help you because you're always getting games in, even if you may not think it's practice. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, on, on traveling for me, uh, I had originally planned to go to, I think, the Madrid Major in November. Um, and that had been on my plate until uh, until the Golden Ticket stuff came up. And then it was the same weekend, which was so frustrating because I was, I was excited yeah. to go to Spain. So I've rerouted that to a to an event early next year. Um, but I do plan to fly out and maybe a few other U.S. players, depending on who I can rope into it, um, to go to Spain uh, next year. Uh, because this, the Spanish players were uh, very cool to fly out to, to Vegas for LVO this year. Um, and, and we definitely want to return the flavor and fly out and uh, hang out with them on, on their turf. Yeah, no, but yeah, because we're planning to. I know some UK players who won't be able to make it to the final planning to go to that um, Spanish event in November because it's got like 94 players max. And yeah, so this is like this cross pollination now, it, it's getting slightly easier to fly around. And yeah, if it's easy and convenient for you or you have the chance, I would highly recommend it because you won't regret it. Even as I said, not just going to America, but going like even going to those, um, like all the big American cons have some kind of kill team event because LVO obviously has the kill team finals. Oh, well, the kill team tournament that will lead into the kill team finals. Um, Adepticon always and LVO, uh, Adepticon and Nova. And like, I'll definitely be going to Nova next time uh, for, for 2023. And yeah, you'll just have a good time. But I just want to say thank you, Chris, for being on. It's been a pleasure and an honor to chat to someone as esteemed as yourself. Really, honestly, I, I'm not taking the piss as much as oh, people uh, may think. Th- thank you, thank you so much. I, uh, you know, don't know, don't know if I deserve all of that praise. Um, but, but thank you so much for having me. Um, it was an absolute blast. Uh, Love chatting with you. Um, it was great meeting you uh, in person in Nova. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Uh, thank you yeah. so much, and have a great rest of your week. And good luck at the GT coming up. Very excited yeah, to see I'll, how you do. Yep. It's just the weekend before the London GT. But if you want, as I said, you can check out Chris on Kill Team Stream on Twitch. It'll have all the the the, the tournaments they've done, and you can just watch some amazing Kill Team action because it's it's like it's the best recorded place for competitive Kill Team play on the internet, in my opinion. But, um, uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we we put a lot of work into that. So um, yeah, I really yeah. love your layout. Like, I need to steal that from you. But until <laughs> next time, remember: no matter where you are in the country you can, or in the world, you can always roll a crit.